0: Good morning, welcome to church, let's stand to our feet and let's worship Jesus together. Church, another person next to you, and say hello. Everybody feeling good this morning? Y'all excited to be here, be able to worship Jesus this morning in freedom? You know, Bible talks about how fear and faith they can't dwell together. So either we're gonna worship from a place of fear, or worship from a place of faith. And I say we choose faith this morning. Even if we're experiencing fear, even if there's things that we're wrestling with, that we're questioning or that we're doubting, let's just choose to put faith on it, you know, instead of looking at our circumstances and, and letting that then dictate our stability. Because if we do that, then we're gonna be like this. We're gonna be falling all over the place. But even in the midst of that, if we just choose to have faith, choose to trust in the the God that can calm the waves, man, that's powerful and that's what gives us hope. That's what helps us lift our head and continue to move forward. Our God's a good God. And so let's just rejoice in that this morning. Let's just worship in that truth this morning. Let's just lift our voices. Let's lift our voices in joy. Lift our voices in confidence. Let's lift our voices in faith. Amen. The darkness tries to roll over my bone.
1: The sorrow comes to steal the joy I Brokenness and pain is all I know. No, I won't be shaking, no, I won't be shaken, cause my feet doesn't stand a chance.
2: Father, we gather here this morning in the name of Jesus. We gather here thanking you, Lord, for your wonderful gift of love and salvation. Father, we thank you, Lord, for those that have uh, have chosen to be here this morning, Lord, and for those that are worshiping online, for our students, our children throughout this building, Lord. We pray your Holy Spirit would just fall fresh and new upon us, Lord. I pray if there be those among us who are discouraged, Lord, that this would be an encouraging time, Father, for each one of those are going through difficult times health wise or otherwise god that you would wrap your loving arms of love and care around each one we thank you father so much for this opportunity we pray your blessings upon gay as she speaks to us today and we pray your anointing and god that you would open our hearts to hear and receive all that you have for us father we're thankful today and we uh, just love you and want to praise you and thank you for all your good and wonderful gifts in jesus name amen Amen. Welcome to church. Have a seat. We're glad that you're here today. Appreciate you coming out. Uh, we'd like for you to start off today by checking in on Facebook. If you have your cell phone, you can check in and just let people know that you're at Salem Fields Community Church today. If you're a first-time guest, we're glad to have you. And we uh, just, pray, or we just uh, invite you to go out to the table, first-time guest, pick up a small gift that we have for all of our guests. And we'd love for you to do that connection card in your program. If everyone could fill that out, that would be helpful. And at the next song, we'll be taking our tithes and offerings, and uh, we appreciate your faithful giving of your tithes and offerings as we uh, continue to do as uh, those things which God has called us to do. We can only do that because you're faithful in your giving, and we appreciate that, and there's many ways you can give, and most of you know that, but they're on the screen there, and we uh, invite you to give with a cheerful heart today, knowing God uh, loves a cheerful give. Our celebration service is tonight at 6. Our celebration service is a time we gather as a church and we do baptisms, baby dedications, and uh, we d- do praise and worship, testimonies, and just uh, celebrate all the things that God has done at Salem Fields over the last few months. Membership class next Sunday at 1 o'clock if you want to know more about Salem Fields or maybe even consider joining this uh, body of believers here, uh, you can do that and get all the information about Salem Fields <laughs> that you would need to have to make that decision. See, uh, coming up April 12th is our Secret Keeper Girl event. That's an event for uh, geared toward moms and their daughters, and uh, you can read more about that. Even dads, if you uh, have a daughter and you need to bring your daughter, that's fine as well. We also need volunteers, and you can sign up out in the lobby at the table there. On April 13th and 14th, Roddy Chong will be with us. Roddy is a world-renowned world, now, world renowned violinist and he plays for Trans-Siberian Orchestra and he's been touring with them for several years. It's going to be an exciting Sunday and uh, it would be a great time for you to invite a friend uh, that doesn't go to church to join you as we um, as we have that great day on the 13th and 14th. He's also a great speaker and he'll be speaking on Palm Sunday uh, here as well. Our Easter events, you can see those listed on the card in your program. We have this big card that uh, has all the times on that and that's uh, basically for you to put on your refrigerator so you remember what's going on here at Salem Fields. Easter's a great time uh, for us at uh, Salem Fields to invite our friends. People are more prone to come to church at Easter than any other time of the year. And also there's a little business card in your program as well and that little card is for you to give out to your friends, just to invite them and help you to invite them so you don't have to remember everything that's going on and they can have that card. And uh, there's also, we have a table set up out in the foyer that you can pick up extra cards. And also we have some posters that we'd like to be put up around in businesses. So if you could do that know someplace that you could put those posters, uh, we'd love for you to pick one up. And again, the table's out in the foyer. Thank you for being here today, and may God continue to bless our time together. <laughs>
3: succumbed to the land of the coughing and the wheezing. So uh, Buddy shared the love with me and we all went downhill from there. But uh, I'm on the mend. I mean, compared to where I was last week this time, I'm really thankful to the Lord that he heals bodies, right? He does. And so I've got everything in place. I've got Tim back there. If I start coughing, he's going to mute me out. And I got my Sudafed going on and got my bottle of water. So we're not going to let any little things stop us from having an encounter with Jesus, are we? No? Okay, you're with me, right? Because we're going to look at another encounter today between Jesus and the man that was ordered to carry out his execution. Pretty intense, isn't it? So we're going to look at that. And, uh, you know, through this encounter series... I always try to open my heart, Lord, what do you want me to see? And one of the strong themes that I've seen in this series and these encounters that we've been looking at with Jesus is that Jesus would always cut through when he was encountering someone, talking with someone, he'd see the real person. You know, in our world today, we tend to get hung up on labels and, you know, gender and all kinds of different things, but Jesus didn't do that. He'd look at a person and he would see who they really are. And he would see their flaws. He'd see their strengths. And he didn't judge them by that at all. I I love Jesus. I love how he related to people. I try to watch him and how he related to the outcasts. He didn't care if it was a cynic like Nathaniel was or it was an outcast like the woman at the well. We looked at her. And last week, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, I mean, they were some of the hated, most hated people there were because they'd sell their family out for money. But Jesus had these encounters with people, and he would look through all of that. Now, did he care that that's the kind of life they were? Well, of course, but that's not what he was focused on. He was focused on encountering who that person was. And that's exactly how he encounters us today. And so we're going to look at another Intense encounter that Jesus had with Pontius Pilate. Now it seems in the news today that everybody's clamoring for the truth. We want the truth, don't we? I mean, we have congressional hearings. We have uh, famous, rich people that are privileged. We have one news media outlet that's saying, "I've got the truth," and. Another one, you'll flip the channel and say, well, no, we've got the truth here. And it seems like the more we search for truth and the more we try to bring truth out, the more our head spins. It's like, how can we find truth? Now, this is the very question that in the last encounter that Pontius Pilate and Jesus had was the question that Pontius Pilate asked. He said, what is truth? What is truth anyway? And this is what we're going to look at today, and I call this a story of religion, politics, and a man named Jesus. Because it was not much difference back then with all of the political things that were going on, and all the debates, and all the opinions, and all the religious things that were going on. People were trying to follow the rules so that they would be right with God. And politics and religion, you know, those are the things you say, don't bring that up at Thanksgiving dinner, right? because you get too many opinions and you get too many ideas and intensity and people really are clamoring for their to to give their side of it and that's kind of the world that we live in and that's the world that Jesus lived in and he was in, about to encounter the political and the religious systems the machines of that day and it all comes down to this and so we're going to look at this trial that he was Just about to be on, and I want to set the stage for you. It comes out of the book of John. It's it's chapter 18, and you can read the whole story of what we're going to cover here. And I'm not going to give you a lot of illustrations or a lot of little stories or quips. I'm going to stick right with the scripture and right with this story, because a lot of times leading up to Easter, we don't spend a lot of time in this territory, in the trial of Jesus and what happened there. But Jesus has been in his ministry for three years and he's been performing miracles and some people saw him perform miracles and they said, that's got to be the Messiah, that's got to be the Christ. And then there was a woman at the well that encountered Jesus and looked into his eyes and what love she saw and the encounter that they had with each other. And She couldn't stay quiet. She ran back to the city and she said, this is the Messiah. There was no doubt in her mind She was sold out. She knew. But then there were those religious people that did not like him at all. He was breaking their rules. He was making false claims. He was saying things that they did not like. He was hanging out with people that they didn't think he should be hanging out with. And those are the encounters that we've spoken of in the last couple of weeks. You see, the religious people wanted a fighting Messiah. They wanted someone to come back. You see, the Roman government had invaded their country, Israel, and they wanted the Romans out. They wanted the government out. So they want a Messiah that would come back with weapons and with strength and with power and that they would overthrow the government and get them out. They didn't want a Messiah that was speaking of love that did not carry weapons except for the weapon of love, that said that, I want to build my kingdom in the hearts of people. I'm not here about overthrowing governments. They didn't want that kind of Messiah, so they were ticked off, and they developed a huge hatred for Jesus, and they wanted to get rid of this guy, the religious people, because he was, he was saying things that they did not like, and he was not carrying out their plan and so this is what we had in the debate and people are saying is he the Messiah is he a fake is he a demon who is he really and all of us have to answer that same question nobody can answer it for us because all of us have an encounter with Jesus that we have to answer you see Jesus It's not looking good for him the political and the religious machines are in full spin and he's about to be put on trial they're saying we're gonna we're gonna figure out who this is and we're gonna put him on trial and they began to put their hope and their confidence in politics and in religion to discover the truth about this man so Jesus, you remember the story, he's in the garden, he goes at night, he's praying, and he's arrested. And he's accused of blasphemy. You remember Judas had betrayed him, and this is, this is at nighttime. And, and they're saying, is he a liar? Is he telling the truth? And so what we're gonna do is look at this trial, and it had three parts. We're going to look at all parts of this. First of all, the first part was that Jesus is taken, so we're in the garden, he's arrested, and Jesus is taken in the middle of the night before Annas. Now, Annas is a religious leader. Just follow me here. He's a religious leader. It says, then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrest Jesus. Now, I begin here at this first part because I want to bring out a point that is very, very, very Very important. And it's this. Jesus did not place hope in justice. He did not place hope in religion. He did not place hope in politics. And don't we have a world that's, we're hoping that the political system will just get this thing right, So that people be treated fair. Everything within us wants things to be fair. But Jesus did not place hope in things being fair. He knew the cards were stacked against him. He knew this looked bad for him. And the point of this is for us to look at Jesus' example when he was in a situation where he was being accused of things that were not true and where he had some serious problems. And he knew that this could come down in a really, really negative way for him. Now, what do you and I do in a situation like that? When somebody said something about us that isn't true? Or that things are not looking good and we work and work and work and try to get this thing to, what what do we do in the midst of our problems? Well, here we have Jesus and we have his example. You see, Jesus knew that politics and religion did not operate by truth or fairness. It couldn't. I mean, you can try and try and try and try to get those religion and politics to find the truth, but you will always have a little margin of error that you will not know and you can't get out. And it doesn't even operate that way anymore. So Jesus, here he is, taken at night. Already the religious leaders are breaking their own rules because you're not supposed to do this. They take him and they, they, they put him before Annas, who's a religious leader, in the middle of the night because they're trying to get this, this uh, evidence against him so that they can do away with this guy. And he knew that it was bad. Now, Annas is the religious leader that was making money off of the money changers that were in the temple you remember that story how the money changers were there and they were selling the doves and they were cheating people out of money to go in and give their sacrifices before god and these poor people didn't know the difference but there were these people that were so greedy that were out in the temple courts and they were the money called the money changers and annas was the one that was making money off of those money changers. So Jesus, remember what he did? He went in and he turned the tables over and he said, this is just wrong. Well, Annas was livid. He did not like this guy because Jesus was exposing him for who he was. And now Jesus is brought before this man. Do you really think that Jesus expected this man to be fair? He knew, it was, he knew the cards were stacked against him See, Jesus had a higher purpose than justice. It was truth. It was truth. And here's how he did that. And what an example to us. It says in Hebrews, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You see, he didn't say, God, I can't do this. I'm out of here. He knew what was coming up, he knew this was not fair. He knew this was not just. He knew he was not going to get uh, fairness before the religious leaders or before the political leaders. But here's our example. Scorning the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here it is for us. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is speaking directly to us in the middle of our problems and the things that seem like they've come around and it's looking really bad for us and we don't know how to get out of this and we get on our knees and we pray, God, can you please get me out of this? Well, we're gonna see an example of someone who knew that it was difficult and who was in the middle of a difficult situation and we're gonna look at how At what Jesus did with that because in that verse right at the beginning it says keep your eyes fixed on Jesus keep your eyes fixed on Jesus he's our example because he set his eyes not on the problem he knew what he had to endure but he also knew that if he obeyed and if he went by God's timing that there was joy in the morning that there was hope and that there was a better day, and he knew what was coming. But first, he could not turn away from what God was doing in those moments. He's our example. Was he a doormat? Absolutely not. Jesus was resolute to carry out his purpose. Now, we're no different than Jesus. Do you realize that every single person here online in this whole building, God has given you a purpose. And Jesus kept his eyes fixed on his purpose. He knew his purpose. We need to know our purpose because that will help us endure whatever comes along on our way because as we, as we approach what's going on in our life like Jesus did, we can have the hope and the assurance that there's a better day. That joy comes in the morning. And I wonder how many people hear that from believers. Or are we saying, I don't know, I've got financial problems, I don't know what I'm going to do with my kids, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, and on and on. Instead of the world hearing, I am following Jesus' example, and there is hope for me. People are dying. People are committing suicide because they've lost hope. They cannot see, they do not know that joy comes in the morning when we follow Jesus and we allow him to to live within us and to change us. You see, here were the religious people. They were pointing their finger and they were trying to do away with this guy. The religious people hated Jesus. You know what hate does? It puts a blindfold on you and it makes a hypocrite out of us because we point our finger at other people Instead of saying, Lord, what do you want to do in me? And what do you want me to see? And these were people that were accusing Jesus of breaking their law and taking him to trial. Yet everything they were doing was violating their own law. You see, that's what happens when we insist on our own way. When we tell that person or that spouse or that child, you need to change. That's what we're doing we're blinding ourselves to our own stuff. Jesus didn't do that. He kept the blinders off, but these religious people did that. And I find it so fascinating that this innocent man in John 3.17, you know John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he sent us, John 3.17 says that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. That's why we see these encounters that Jesus had, that he wasn't hung up on the cynic and the outcast and the cheater. He was hung up on that person. He saw value in people. He condemned no one, but yet here's a man that's going on trial, a kangaroo court, and and he's being being accused of violating, and he's being condemned. You see... Injustice at its worst. But Jesus was not about justice. He was not about even, evening the score. He was not about pointing out what that other person was doing. He was about truth. You see, we want life to be fair, don't we? We just do. I had someone in the last service and he said, for the first time, I've been a believer for a long time and I never thought about how Jesus was not pursuing justice. It was actually a result, but that was not his purpose. He was pursuing and he was truth. You see, Jesus says truth is like cream. Has anyone ever gone to a dairy farm and ladled the milk out of the... the it, what happens is there's a lot of cream in there. Now, I'm a cream gal. I love my half and half. I love cream. And When I was a teenager, I'd go over there, and we'd scoop that milk and put it in a big jar. And when, we, when I'd go home, you just let it set for a day or so, and all of that cream would rise to the top. And I would scoop that off, and I'd put it on my cereal and that stuff is good <laughs> and you know why because it's rich and it's heavy and it's better than the rest and that's exactly what tru- what truth is because eventually if we do it God's way if we do it the way Jesus did knowing that God is in control being obedient in spite of the fact that everything doesn't look so good for us. And, and when we trust in God, that means that we're allowing him to be in control. You see, when things are looking hopeless, Jesus was submitting to his father. You know, it's tough every morning to get on your knees and say, Holy Spirit, I submit to your power. And today when I want to go my own way, I'm going to go your way. And when we do that, he begins to transform our heart. And he builds that kingdom in our heart. And Lord Jesus, I want what I want today, but I know that you've got the proper timing and I'm going to submit and surrender to your timing, and I'm going to trust you that you're going to see me through, even though all the cards seem to be stacked against me, because I know that when I follow you, and I allow you to do what you do in me, and I obey you, joy will come in my morning. Are we that kind of hopeful people? Are we? Because there's a huge personal cost a huge personal cost, and Pilate really didn't have what it takes to pay that price. You see, that first part was the illegal part of this process. There was nothing legal about it. You weren't supposed to take somebody. This was the meeting before the meeting. You weren't supposed to take somebody in the middle of the night before a religious leader. And so we get to part two of this trial. The next morning, Jesus is taken before Caiaphas. Now, this is another religious high priest, and this is the official one. Now we're gonna do it officially. We did it behind the scenes, but let's do it officially. And it says, those who arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, and the teachers of the law. It's like before the Sanhedrin, which was like our Supreme Court. So they're getting really legal on us, and, and the religious people are saying this. And next morning, they, they're gonna interrogate him, and they're gonna officially charge jesus because they've got to find some evidence against this guy to get him out of here he was not going along with their plan and they couldn't find uh, you know I, i thought what would this look like in our day well it would kind of look like this that's a high priest that's a religious person and that kind of brings us into wonder what it would have been like for jesus to be In front of the Pope well Caiaphas stood in that position and Caiaphas said to Jesus he just asked him point-blank are you the Christ and Jesus said yes it is as you say well he was livid are you kidding me this is blasphemy you're trying to tell me that you're God Well you're not carrying out anything that we we want you to carry out. They were they were so upset and what did they do? They said he's worthy of death and they and then they spit in his face and they struck him with their fists. Now this religious people want this man gone. They couldn't but they couldn't put him to death they 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 didn't know what to do with him they wanted him executed they wanted him gone but they couldn't put him to death but they knew that the roman government could so we've got the religious people it's not working for them it's not working out the way they want it to and so they say let me see how can we get him under the roman rule because if we get him there they can bring the death penalty they can execute because they couldn't do anything about blasphemy or Jewish law. So they they had to pass him off and they're saying, who can we use? Next up, the encounter of the hour. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, part three of the plan. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, encounters Jesus now Caiaphas had found this three strike legal position to send Jesus to the political people he said to to the political people he said number one this guy says he's a king well that totally violates your government number two he's inciting people not to pay their taxes now what do you think would happen if we didn't pay our taxes We're still paying taxes today aren't we and what do you think have and and that violated the government and number 3 he's a revolutionary all three of those strike 3 you're out the government can execute a person for that and the religious leaders had found no way they they'd found a way to hand this pesky guy off this annoying person that was challenging them and they found a political leader that they could use Now, I thought about this, and I thought, this is what it looked like with Pontius Pilate. Right there is Jesus before Pontius Pilate. But I thought, well, what would that look like in modern day? And I thought, well, here it is. That's our governor. Pontius Pilate was a governor of a little... Territory inside of Israel is about the size of Connecticut. Doesn't that put an interesting little spin on it? Well, let's take it back to... We we can't handle that too long. Let's take it back to Pontius Pilate. (laughs) Now, history tells us that Pilate was the governor of Judea, and he'd been the fifth governor. And most governors only served two to four years, but for some reason Pontius Pilate had served 11. We don't really know a whole lot About this guy and if it wasn't for this encounter that he had with Jesus he probably would have slipped into history and we would have never heard his name history backs up that he was there but in terms of the Bible I mean really the only thing that we see out of him is that he plays this part and it's clear that Pilate knew when they brought Jesus before him that this guy was innocent he knew he knew and he tried to get out of what they were trying to get him to do. Now he's the governor and these people, the crowd, are the people who, who uh, it matters to him. He's a politician. And so what the crowd and popularity means is pretty big to him. But he tried to get out. He knew that this was an innocent man. He tried to get out of it. Verse 31 says that he, he tried to refuse dealing with the case. If you look at verse 31, it says this isn't mine to deal with. Why are you bringing him before me? And then he tried to, remember how he tried to release, they said you could release one prisoner? And he went to the crowd and he gave them the authority to say, who do you wanna release? And they didn't want Jesus, what they considered this wimpy guy. They wanted Barabbas, the murderer, because he's got power and he's got might and we want him to be released. and. So uh, Pilate couldn't get out of this, and, and he tried one more time. He tried scourging Jesus. He said, If I just beat him up and I just whip him, that'll satisfy the crowds, and I won't have to kill him. Because he's got this moral dilemma. And he's saying, I know this is an innocent man, but I also know that these people are responsible for my power and my position. Now, before we get too judgy about Pilate, we all find ourselves in those situations, don't we? Where we've got a moral dilemma. and We know what's right. But if we do what's right, it'll cost us. There will be a huge personal cost. Maybe somebody will see and they won't see the image that we've always tried to put on. Or maybe someone won't like us anymore and they'll leave us or when we do what's right there's always a loss a personal cost see nothing he tried resolved his dilemma this innocent man he was trapped he didn't know what to do and his wife comes and begs him don't put this innocent man to death well he didn't listen to his wife That doesn't happen often does it (laughs) no not in my case (laughs) but here's the thing if he stood up to this evil plan of the religious people he was going to lose their support he is a politician and this is Pilate's trap now we have to understand Pilate's history and what led to this internal struggle because I think a lot of us might relate to where Pilate came from. See, the law said that people, because he was a politician, said that the people of the province had the power to report him to the emperor if he didn't do what they wanted. So he was living by their rule. And they said, Pilate, if you you let him go, you're no friend of Caesar's and we're gonna report you. And they said, you either execute Jesus or we're going to report you and you're going to lose your power, you're going to lose your position. And therein lies the dilemma. That's, he realized what he was going to lose. And standing before this innocent man, Pilate had a secret past that he'd never talked about, that he didn't want anyone to know about. And if you read about it, you'll begin to see and you see shame and fear were what were so powerful that he was willing to compromise what he knew was right. He'd rather compromise and kill an innocent man than for anybody to know what was going on inside of him to release that fear and shame. Now let's contrast that with Peter. Remember Peter and how he let Jesus down? Jesus said that you'll deny me three times. And you know what Peter did? He did. But he came back and he said, I have failed. I have failed. And he confessed that to the Lord. And you know what Jesus did when he confessed that? He looked at Peter and he said, Peter, I will build my church on you. He cut straight through it. One man would not confess the secrets that he was carrying, the other man confessed and Jesus looked at him and he said, you are my child. Both were his child. But one had decided, and and I can tell you this, that our unconfessed, unresolved, hidden past will make us a coward. The last haunting exchange between Pilate and Jesus Truth is right there, right in front of Pilate, available to him completely. And the question is, how will Pilate respond? Because you see, we can know the truth, but the true test of our character and our motives is how do we respond? And nobody can answer that for us but us personally. And Jesus said, you're right, I'm saying that I'm a king. In fact, this is the reason that I was born. I was born to testify to truth. Everyone on the side of truth will listen to Jesus. And Pilate said, what is truth? And the world is still asking the same question today. And we're still trying to find it in religion and politics and anything else other than a man named Jesus. You see, Pilate knew the truth. We can know the truth. We can say, yes, I believe Jesus was the son of God. I believe that he died and rose again. Pilate Pilate believed But Pilate buckled. He was willing to bring harm to others, to an innocent man to protect himself. How often do we do that in our own lives? That we're in that moment. We know the right thing, but we buckle. And like I say, before we get too judgy with Pilate, we've all been there. We've all failed. The question is, are we confessing that? Are we going back to Jesus? Are we allowing him to remake us and restore us and redeem us? Are we being honest with him? Or are we just carrying this weight load of unconfessed things in our life? It makes a difference. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, He really cared about what this crowd said. He took the water, he washed his hands, and he says, this isn't on me. Oh, yeah, it is, Pilate, because indecision is also a decision. You get that? No one can stand before Jesus and not decide. We all have to decide what is truth. And where do I find it? And where do I go? And where do I find my hope? Am I trying to find it in evening out the score and justice? Am I trying to find it in hope that the politicians will finally get this right? Am I trying to follow a set of rules religiously so that I can be right with God? And then there's Jesus. What is truth? And how do we answer that? Then there was Jesus. Jesus. And his response, he didn't want the personal cost. He didn't want to go to that cross. You think anyone would? He didn't want to, but he knew there was something worth dying for. Are we that resolute as believers in Jesus Christ? Do we understand our purpose? Do we understand that it's not just our family? or There's a higher purpose. Do we have that purpose that we're willing to die for? Jesus is our example, and he did. He said, please, God, take this away from me, and I don't want to do this, but you know what, God? I know you're in control. I know that I'm under your submission. I know, Lord, that you've got perfect timing. I know that I have to go through this instead of around it or away from it jesus was our example and he had something grander to die for kind of like the things of god we need to know what the things of god are kind of like to give god's love to all of humanity that was his purpose his purpose was truth and to testify to the truth and to come into the world to be a sacrifice Like valuing all people. You see, we can't even value people like cynics and people that are doing things to us that we don't like. We cannot love them or turn the other cheek if we can't have him flowing through us. It's impossible. Humanly, it's impossible. Or like he was willing to die for replacing hate and injustice with God's forgiveness. He did that for us. He died for you. And for me, that should be shouting material. When we worship, worshiping at the top of our lungs, if we really grasp. And that's why I wanted to break this down and really kind of look close at what happened in this trial. Two men, one chose personal gain and one standing in truth at great personal cost. We all get to decide what we do with truth. What is it? Buddy and I watched a documentary, and I'd encourage you to watch it. It's on Netflix. It's about Billy Graham. And it was amazing to me how resolute he was in his purpose. Now, we might put Billy Graham up to a big place, but in reality, he went into some very difficult places like China and Russia, and when he went in there, his heart broke because his purpose was to take the message of Jesus Christ into the whole world, and it was at great, great personal cost, but he said something in this documentary that has stuck with me and, the, and what I want to emulate. He said, be bold for the right things. Fight for the right things, be bold for the right things. So before we judge Pilate, we all have things in our life, things that are hard to stand up to against popular opinion. But we have to ask ourselves, where are we finding truth? Are we going along with the crowd or that next person on Facebook that's telling us that we need to do this? Or how are we finding truth? Well, the answer to Pilate's final question was standing right in front of him the whole time. He buckled, but it stands here right now for each one of us individually. Now, here's something about the rest of the story about Pilate. It's said that Pilate had a change of heart after he encountered Jesus. How could you not, when you look in those eyes, when you realize what he was all about, how could you not? But the story goes that it says that he had so much remorse for what he'd done to Jesus that he lost all hope and committed suicide. Two men, one stood in the truth at personal cost, and he reigns today at the right hand of God giving us joy giving us power to endure the cross in our own life. We don't know exactly what happened to Pilate, but we do know what happened on Friday morning, April 7, 30 AD, when a long sequence of events brought an unsuspecting Pilate face-to-face with God. Just like we are here today. One more time. Jesus stands face-to-face in an encounter with us, You know what's really, really amazing to me about this? That the very blood that Pilate ordered to be shed from Jesus and to be poured out from Jesus, beaten, is the same blood that reconciled Pilate back to him. Is that incredible? That's love. That's my Jesus. That's my example. That's who I need in those moments of moral dilemma to transform my life into being like him. Who is? What is truth to you? Who do you say Jesus is? Nobody can answer that but you. But the question is, even though you know the truth, how will you respond? Let's stand together and worship.
1: Through every battle Through every heartbreak Through every circumstance I believe that you are my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place. I believe you are the way, the truth, the light, yes, I believe you are the way. the light is yes, I believe that through every blessing through every promise through every breath I take I believe that you are provided you are protected you are the one
3: break down and religion and politics break down because we come forward thinking we have all the truth. Nobody has all the truth but one. I do know the one that has all the truth. And it's our responsibility to pursue him, to pursue truth. It'll humble you. It'll make your relationships better because when you come together, you realize I don't have all the truth here. You don't have all the truth here. But we do have the one between us that does. So let's, let's look to Him. And we all have to answer that question. You know, Pilate did this, but even his indecision was a decision. can't stand before Jesus and have an encounter with Him without being changed forever I've met Jesus I've had an encounter with him and I've never been the same has it been easy no have I failed you better believe I have but I look in his eyes and I hear his voice and he reveals truth to me and he tells me what I need to do to be obedient and I pursue that and it blows up in my face but I go back to him and that's just my journey with him pretty imperfect on my part, but he looks at me and he doesn't look at all those flaws or any of those strengths. He says, Gay, I love you. This is what I did for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you personally, God, for what you've done in me. I thank you for the encounters that you've had among us here, the examples that you showed us in your word. And I would just want to offer this morning, if you've never had that encounter with Jesus. If you've never opened your heart and said, Jesus, I want you to live in here. I want to learn to know who you are. I want to know this person that doesn't look at all my flaws or even my strengths, that just sees me as a real person. I want that. If you've never had that encounter, I want to offer him to you right now. He's right here. His Holy Spirit, we can't see him like the people in the Bible did, but, but we can know that he's here because of his Holy Spirit. If you're like that this morning and you haven't had an encounter with him, would you just raise your hand so that I can pray for you in the final, in the, in the last prayer that we pray? Thank you. Thank you. He promises that if you you open your heart to him, he'll come in. You can have a relationship with him. Walk out this journey. Learn to know about him. Learn to know what it takes to have that kind of relationship with him. Father, I pray for those that raise their hands. God, would you just show them who you are? Speak to them. Lead someone in their path that, uh, that is living hope in Jesus. And then for those of us that know the truth, you know that Jesus is the son of God. You put your faith in him. But you also know that you may not be responding to him in the way that Jesus did through obedience and submission. And you want more of him. You want him to transform your heart at a deeper level. Would you just raise your hand so that I can pray for you in the final prayer? Thank you. Thank you all over this place I'm telling you the the world changes because of open hearts that's what Jesus said I want to build my kingdom in the hearts of people and surely and certainly he is father I give you glory and praise for all of the people who have responded to you here today and for those even Lord that may not have raised their hands God you're doing a powerful work among us I pray Lord that we would learn to know you more that we would allow you to live in us, that we would be people that would pour out the kind of hope that lives a resolute life of purpose in our world today, that we would discover that purpose and keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for what you've done here today. We give you all the glory, all the praise. And as we leave this place, Lord, would you just remind us throughout the week that you're with us, you love us, One change, one encounter will change the world forever. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next time.